Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome to a brand new edition of the Four Feathers podcast. I know you're used to hearing a very different voice at the beginning of these shows. I miss him too. No Johnny Nani tonight, but I am joined by the one, the only, the boss man himself, uh, Mr. CEO, Mr. Budweiser Cowboy, whatever you want to call him, Mr. Tony Marchese. Sir, first off, before we get into this one, we're talking about a hawk streak. We're talking about a lot of cool shit. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Ron, I'm doing fucking fantastic. Thanks for asking. It's uh, it's a great night to be me. It's a great night to be a Hawks fan. It's a great night to be you if you're listening to the show because that means you are a Black Hawks fan as well. And the Hawks are uh, streaking a little bit, Ron. They're streaking. That's, a sh- a that's streak, you say? A streak. A sh- a streak, you say. That is the name of tonight's episode, as Johnny Nani always uh, artfully embeds into uh, the intros and outros of the show. I'm going to hashtag crack him with a victory beer here, Tone, real quick. I'm going um, to be right behind you. Just got one to finish, but that was fantastic. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to – we're we're even going to pour it in a nice little Blackhawk Stanley Cup Champions glass, too. Just what, are you, to, what are you drinking on there? I am drinking a uh, – it's called Bomb. B-O-M, bomb. Uh, it is a sour ale with banana, oranges, and mango, vanilla, and milk sugar uh, from our friends up in Downers Grove at Liquid Love Brewery. So that's a little shout-out to them. It's very good. Uh, it's a nice fruity beer. I have a couple of them left from summer, so I'm still uh, killing those bad boys off, and I just doused my microphone in beer. But that's okay because that's Tony – fantastic. I hope Brian clips that. I'll crack them. Victory I've beers. Got the, I've got the Budweiser. You're right. Victory beers. Crack them. Crack them on this show. And uh, it's Ron victory beers for some reason just taste better uh, than, than misery beers. And I expected a whole lot of misery beers on the show this year. And so far, as I tell Johnny, the, the envelopes are coming in very nice from uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm very high on the Hawks, as you can see, hashtag high on the Hawks right now. And uh, Ron, I'm loving it. I'm loving every single bit of it. This is probably the most excited that I've been to get on a show and talk Blackhawks hockey in in probably the time since we started this show. I just want to preface this with, you know, we uh, when did we start this? 2018? When 2018 we- is when Four Feathers podcast debuted. Uh, well before ONTAP Sportsnet was even a twinkle yes. in either one of our eyes. Uh, Four yes. Feathers has been rolling for a very long time. Yes. So this is this is probably the, the most excited I've been about the direction of the Chicago Blackhawks franchise. Since we started this show, it's it's an interesting thing to kind of put into perspective um, as somebody who's followed this team as, as you did through the Stanley cup years, and then get to this point where you've got a start to a season where you expected so little Ron, you expected so little of this team. We kind of expected some some level of failure they admitted that they were going to go into this embarking on a rebuild they they put a new coach in place everybody's gone from the cast of characters um that you would look at as a core uh mm-hmm. through the successful years outside of your two staples Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and yet here we are 
talking about the best home start since 1983 for the Chicago Blackhawks franchise. That's something to be excited about. That's a that's an awesome achievement. And then you look at this group and it means so much more. I think personally, that's a really good reason to be high on the Hawks right now. Yeah, and and speaking of being high on the Hawks, let's talk about the game a little bit tonight, right? You and Johnny went live after the victory on Sunday. That one marked three straight after a win over the Seattle Kraken. Um, But tonight, against a very good team, right? I I think a lot of people will sit back and look at the win streak and say, well, they beat the Sharks, or as we always like to say, the Sharks. You know, they 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 beat the Red Wings, who are kind of a mixed bag of Detroit nobody sucks. Knows. We know this. Yeah, Detroit sucks. We we let them know that. I lost my voice yelling at Red Wings fans after Domi potted that on Friday night. Um, you know, and then obviously the Kraken, a team that better than they were last year, but they were not a great team last year by any means. Tonight was kind of the first real test I think this Hawks team has had. Florida, a very good team. Florida a season ago, as 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 our boy Chris Foster said, the uh, the President's Cup, uh, aka the President's Trophy, but we know he means well. But again, truly a good team and a team that you could argue got better by adding Matthew Kachuk. Yes, they lost Mackenzie Weger. Yes, they lost Jonathan Huberdeau, but they added a all around stud in Matthew Kachuk and relatively brought back the same team from last season. A very good team that the Hawks finally have played, and they came out flying tone for those that didn't get to see the game in the first period on the power play. What a nice play, by the way, too, when we're at it. Patrick Kane dishes it over to Tyler Johnson as we have those two guys rushing up the ice, similar to what they did in years past. Um, But this time, really good read, as as Tyler Johnson talked about it in between periods, um, that, you know, he knew. He knew. they they He's played Florida a lot over the years after being in Tampa for a long time. They do a lot of the same things still now, even under head coach Paul Maurice, that they did before. They knew they were going to crowd the blue line and that they could chip a guy on the outside if he had some speed. They get it over to Taylor Radish. And as we like to say here at Four Feathers, hashtag just fucking crank it uh, as he winds up with a little bit of a half slapper uh, and pots it past Bobrovsky. And then Tone, before the end of that first period, uh, the man himself, I am repping his shirt tonight, Showtime, Patrick Kane gets his first of the season. A beautiful little pass from Andreas Athanasiu from behind the back of the net. Uh, and Kaner will not miss when he's got that much time out in front. And the Hawks led 2-0 after one, Tone. And I think, like you said, hashtag, we were high on the Hawks after one period because they looked really good in the first 20. They absolutely did, uh, Ron. And, you know, I, I want to go back and just rewind the tape a little bit here. Uh, you know, you, you go look at this just fucking crank it goal. Um, you know, if, if me and my boy Jake Trojan can figure out how to enter a zone that way, uh, playing some shell, we're in business. <laughs> uh, that was that was uh, man, I didn't expect that type of zone entry play from a team, uh, that the Blackhawks have have rostered here this season. And to see things working like that this early, you didn't see them last year, Ron. If you look back, uh, zone entries were things that we were talking about last year on this show. Organized zone entries, clean passes, uh, getting in there and establishing a scoring chance off that play. And then the ability to just fucking crank it into the net is another thing. But 
we're talking about advanced levels of hockey that you did not see out of the Chicago Blackhawks for a while. And Absolutely. that's really impressive in and of itself. Uh, I don't know if it's going to continue. I feel like the uh, mantra through the media, mantra through everybody who watches the Chicago Blackhawks uh, and knows what this roster is constructed of has kind of taken this stance, Ron, that this is unsustainable. There's no way you're going to see this continue. But you see little flashes of this, and you wonder how much of it is coaching, how much of it mm -hmm. is Luke Richardson versus what you had with Jeremy Carlton for a couple of years, an uninspired play versus an inspired play. You see something like that, and it ends up working out for you. Ron, I'm a big proponent of uh, you know, positive energy brings positive results. And mm. that's what you see there on that type of play. I, 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 when I watched that live, I jumped out of my seat. I was excited. It was the same effect that fireworks at 35th and Shields brings to me when you see someone just fucking crank it and beat the goalie. I was ecstatic. I don't know how you feel about stuff like this, Ron that's inklings of a team that's got it together. That was a very clean play. And one of the cleanest plays that you've seen out of the Blackhawks in years. Absolutely. And I think Tony, to add to your point there, right. When we look at the guys involved in the play, I think coming into the season, the reason that a lot of people have looked at this Blackhawks roster and just immediately assumed it was going to be shit. A, it was built that way, right? They, they were built to be a team that's probably going to be scrappy, but is probably going to lose a lot of games. Nonetheless, Taylor Radish is a guy that was a major piece that came back in that Brandon Hankel trade last year. You and I actually did the show immediately following that trade when Brandon Hankel was traded, and you and I both decided to butcher Boris Kachuk's name. But one guy we did not butcher was Taylor Radish, and that's because he is a highly regarded player. He's been a highly regarded prospect coming out of Tampa now for the last handful of years. And in addition to that, he showed flashes of that last season with the Blackhawks in a more – uh, expansive role, uh, you know, not buried on the fourth line in a deep in a deep team like Tampa, rather playing top six minutes in power play time as he was here in Chicago. And he's starting to show that again this year. A lot of good chemistry with uh, his line mates in Jonathan Taves and the injured Tyler Johnson. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. But a lot of skilled players, Tone, that I think a lot of people just forget about because there's a lot of question marks surrounding these guys. And Kudos to Taylor Radish. I'm so happy for Taylor Radish scoring that goal tonight. He looks good. He looks strong. It looks like he can become a, a power forward tone that maybe even on a more talented team in the future, maybe fits more in the middle six than in the top six per se. But as a second line winger playing on the other side of Jonathan Taves and Tyler Johnson right now, he has looked absolutely sensational so far. And that's exactly what you like to see out of a piece of that. Kyle Davidson identified as a guy he wants here for the future after trading Brandon Hagel uh, for him last season. So love to see it. Was really, really pumped about that as well. I got super excited. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Kaner following that up to, to end the first period. But Tone, um, let us not forget that second period, only one goal, but it was a pretty one. Uh, and you you and I talked about it just a tad before we jumped on here. Philip Kurashev with the nasty, nasty goal uh, identifies that Gustav Forsling, former Blackhawks legend in, in himself, uh, was kind of beat up on the plague, took a puck, I think, to the ankle, uh, was kind of limping around on the ice in his own zone. 
Kurashev, a little forehand, backhand, forehand action to beat Bobrovsky. Gave the Hawks a 3 nothing lead at that point. Tone, you want to talk about being high on the Hawks? I think we were both on cloud nine after that beautiful Kurashev goal. I mean, roll that one up and smoke it, Ron, because you go top shelf like that. Oh, man, it just goes down smooth. Uh, and when you exhale and you see it cross the line, it's just so sweet. I was beside myself with this. And we we, we got to set the stage a little bit here, Ron. The special teams play that kind of led up to some of this. And, and you and I have texted back and forth a lot about how the special teams has looked under Luke Richardson since yep, this yep. season has started. The, the fact that they have been able to convert on the power play, the fact that they've been able to do what they've done on the penalty kill, and then you put guys like Philip Kershev in positions to make these types of plays, that's highlight real stuff. That's cool and tough. That's what we that's the definition of what we say is cool and tough right there. I love highlight real goals. They're the equivalent of the baseball home run, the one-handed touchdown catch. Like in, in hockey, highlight real goals like that with the dirty dangles mean so much. And there you go. Hawks on the highlight reel tomorrow. Plus one in the stonks, baby. They're looking up. Absolutely. And and speaking of stonks and numbers tone, I'm going to go a little numbers nerd on you here for a Please second. Do. You mentioned the special teams. And let's just confine uh, this into a microscope here on tonight's game. Because obviously over the course of the season, power play converting over the course of a season at a better than 35% clip right now. Uh, and the penalty kill has been almost as equally sensational. But let's just talk about tonight because... Some statistics, Tone, that I think a lot of people might not understand or see when looking at the general box score. And that being, yes, the Florida Panthers did outshoot the Hawks 31-22 to tonight. That's okay. Because here's why. The Hawks won 58% of the faceoffs tonight. Obviously, that's better than Florida's 42%. The Panthers were 0 for 6 on the power play. The Hawks killed 6 penalties in this game without allowing a goal. I'm smiling. I'm smiling. smiling. Can I make you smile more, Tone? You might start Please screaming do. in excitement because one for two were the Hawks on the power play themselves converting at a 50% clip on special teams. So really, if you look at it, Tone, almost a perfect night for the Blackhawks in terms of total special teams in general. Don't forget to mention that they had 29 hits compared to just 17 for Florida. They blocked 20 shots compared to Florida's six they were a buzzing against Ooh. again the best team statistically record wise in the in the Eastern Conference last season in this Florida Panthers team. They came out and made a statement tonight against a really good team. And like you said, that special teams play under Luke Richardson has just been truly different this season because they are coming out with purpose. They're coming out with meaning. And I mean, let's be honest. It I, I'm getting shades and vibes of this team from the cup era when we used to giggle and joke. I remember with friends at the time that the PK was sometimes more effective than the power play because they were able to score so well shorthanded four shorthanded goals already for the Blackhawks this season, actually entering tonight tone. I remember at the top of the broadcast, the power play and the penalty kill had the same amount of goals for the season so Ooh. far. That's how good 
this special teams unit has been. Hashtag drop those stats, Ron. That's it's it's nuts. Smile. I haven't smiled this much about sports <laughs> in so long. It feels great. It feels great to hear these types of things. Mm-hmm. I can't believe where we're at. I, I I legitimately cannot believe where we are at right now. Um, and that's why we're doing this emergency. A streak, you say? Four Feathers podcast, Ron. I, dude, keep hitting me with good things because I, I just love to hear it. I, I, I love to hear it at this point. We got to get to the third period. Yes, we do. And that's exactly where we were going to go with this one, Tone, because uh, the Florida Panthers made it a little interesting. Uh, nonetheless, I don't think any of us were surprised. Florida's a good team, right? We, we talked about it. This is arguably outside of the Colorado Avalanche, the best team the Hawks have seen so far this year. Obviously, we're only. Hey, Ron, I'm going to stop you for a second. All tales yeah. of triumph must face adversity. Absolutely. And as they say, pressure creates diamonds. So this team is going to continue to have a beautiful rebuild and it goes successfully. You need to encounter situations like they did in the third period because um, at the 1132 mark of the third Florida nets, their first goal, it's Etu Lusterainen. He gets his third of the season with assists from White and Lundell. And then the big offseason acquisition, uh, just a minute and change later in Matthew Kachuk. And that's his fourth of the season already uh, with assists from Montour and Verhage. That made things a little bit interesting. Uh, made it three to two. But I'll tell you what, Tone, I was really impressed. The team really hunkered down uh, in like that last five minutes. A lot of defensive groups in terms of forwards on the ice together. We saw a little bit of Taves, Kyra, and Blackwell at times. We saw a little bit of that third line, again, just proving that they are a two-way menace because Luke Richardson trusts them not only to start the game against the Florida Panthers today in Lafferty, Dickinson, and Kurashev, but also to be out on the ice in meaningful time when you are defending a one-goal lead. Uh, Again, that third line tone, you and I texted about it and, and talked about it a little bit on Sunday. That third line might be my favorite line to watch on this team just because they play balls to the walls. They hashtag TWTW. They have that will to win, and they just go hard and do their jobs. And, Tone, you know what happens when guys do their jobs and do their jobs well? Good things. Good things happen when guys do that, and we've seen that all season from this third line, but they defend the lead. They fight off the Panthers, and with just a hair under 30 seconds left in this one, it's the captain, number 19, Mr. Jonathan Tapes, his third goal of the season already. Who says 2021 he had a weight? fucking 18 games or whatever for his first goal. No problem for that. He's already got three in six. Dickinson picking up his third point already. He's got five points in just, I believe, four games. Uh, Some of these guys really surprising on the stat sheet here for the Blackhawks early. Tyler Johnson leading the way, actually. Point per game player so far, six points in six games. Um, But, Tone, third period. Hey, you, you hunker down. The better team made it interesting. But again, that hashtag TWTW, the will to win, this team implored in the third period, and they came away with the victory, and Jonathan Taves with the exclamation point to cap things off and make it 4-2 Blackhawks. Yeah, Ron, I've got a couple of points to uh, to get to uh, after uh, you, you brought the, uh, the action there that was the third period. First thing, uh, I talk about this a lot on this show, weather the storm. 
I wanted the Blackhawks to do that a lot over the course of the last few years, weather the storm in the defensive zone. You're going to have points in the hockey game where the opponent is going to carry momentum, put up some offensive scoring chances. You got to be able to use the body. You saw Jake McCabe out there tonight using the body. You saw, uh, man, shout out Johnny, the president of the Sam Lafferty fan club. There's a guy that's an absolute warrior out there for you tonight in the defensive zone. You got to be able to have guys that know their role. Ron, like we talk about this all the fucking time. Know your role when you're performing above expectations in your role. Might you have some success? There it is. Use the body, stop shots. These are the things that guys like Nicholas Jalmerson were doing years ago. Mm-hmm. Brian Bickle, Dustin Bufflin, all those role players, Andrew Ladd, all those role players that you saw accepting, knowing their role on those good Hawks teams, you can start to see guys within this club already doing those exact same things, Ron. So it's not surprising that you're able to beat five on three penalty kills. It's not surprising that you're able to weather the storm when your opponent is mounting their best offensive chances against you late in that third period when they pull their goalie. I thought for a second there, this could have been a tie game. Staylock comes up big and you get through to a face-off, you're able to clear the puck, get it out of there, and eventually uh, Jonathan Taves is able to put it home. But that is the ex- like the definition of weathering the storm. So you've got to have multiple aspects of your game working. The Blackhawks did tonight. That's a very positive thing. The second point to that, Ron, is that you wind up with another win here. It's Jonathan Taves. It's Patrick Kane in 2022-2023 still getting the job done for the Blackhawks. Did you think that we would be here? I got to flip it back to you. No, I don't think anybody did, truthfully, Tone. I think a lot of people coming into the season, we didn't know what Luke Richardson was as a head coach, right? We talked about it a little bit in a couple of prior episodes. So many teams are so reluctant and so just fall back on, oh, we're going to hire a guy that's already been a head coach and maybe he's only had some success, right? Look at Bruce Boudreaux out in Vancouver right now, who's the only guy that is keeping Jeremy Colleton from another NHL job right now. Let's look at, you know. Not scary hours yet, is it? No, we're not quite there yet, but he can't hurt us anymore. He's not in Chicago anymore. Um, But, you know, it's not John Tortorella being hired in Philadelphia, right? It's not just recycling of an old head coach. We didn't know what Luke Richardson was as a head coach, right? He just had a couple of games uh, when filling in while he he was in Montreal. But conventional sports logic, Ron, let's let's really dissect this for a second here. Conventional sports logic tells you that the head coach really doesn't mean a lot. And then you go and you take this Blackhawks experience into perspective and you look at what you're getting out of guys mm-hmm. on the ice right now for this Blackhawks team. And then you look at the past couple of years, you've subtracted 
a lot of talent. And I feel like you can look at this team and kind of say they are maximizing, at least in the short term, right here, right now, they are maximizing talent out of out of guys that, I mean, last year's roster was arguably far better than what you have on the ice right now. So the maximization of the talent of this group has been far and beyond anyone's wildest expectations in the short sample size. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think that's why this team is so fun because you know, it, it's such an interesting thing. You you mentioned the coach, right, and how a head coach doesn't matter. I think it varies by sport, right? You, you look at sports maybe like baseball and basketball where maybe it's not so much system as it is talent on the ice or talent on the floor or talent on the field, but you still need that guy that's going to set a culture and set a standard and set an expectation. You need that. And we see it, I think, across all sports. And I think that's very much that way in hockey, too. Hockey, I think there's a little more system involved that most fans don't understand, right? Because I think hockey's strategy is truly something that, like, unless you played, you really don't easily comprehend. And then, obviously, football is football, but it is what it is. Nonetheless, Tone, you bring up a good point. Like, none of us thought this team would be here. None of us thought that when I look at the wildcard NHL standings right now, that the Blackhawks would be firmly sitting only a point behind the Stars and Avalanche for first place in the Central Division with a game in hand, Tony. I don't think anybody would have said that six no. games into the season. I was, I was about to say, I looked at the standings for the first time this year in the third period of this game when I said if they win, I think they're going to have more points than the Avalanche. And we One sat point. here, we sat here together not in person, but via technology, and texted each other after that uh, avalanche loss and said, this is going to be a long year. Mm-hmm. And it and still could be. It, it's, it still could be, but I didn't expect to be here today, October Absolutely. 25th, saying, what the hell just happened? Yeah. And it's nice, I think, for us to say that tone. And I think that's why this team's been fun so far. And that's the thing. And I, and I have I have a weird little um, rant for you here. I mentioned this before we jumped on the microphone tonight. And it kind of relates to the whole idea of the status, I think, of the Chicago Blackhawks. Because you're still going to get people that are talking about, oh, we need a tank. We need to be losing games. We need to get Connor Bedard. And listen, people. You, the team playing well right now, early in the season, actually, in my opinion, benefits the rebuild. And here's why players that you have already identified as trade chips at the trade deadline are playing well. Andreas Athanasiu looks very good playing next to Patrick Kane, as does Max Domi. Both players on one year, $3 million contracts who will inevitably be flipped at the deadline. Maybe they come back in the offseason. You know, especially a guy like Max Domi, who admitted he came here because he loves Luke Richardson. Maybe that's a guy that does come back. You flip him at the deadline. Maybe he resigns with you a two, three-year deal in the offseason and, and sticks it out here for a couple of years in Chicago. Who knows? But the better these guys play, the more draft capital they're going to command at the deadline. 
if Andreas Athanasiu and Max Domi are 20 goal scorers by the time the trade deadline rolls around, you're going to get some team that's up there in the playoff race that's going to give you a first-round draft pick for one of these guys. Who's to say that without even trading Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tapes, who, again, both might be guys that say, hey, look, KD, we get it. You know, the team's not winning anything this year, but we like the direction. We like playing for Luke. But go ahead and flip us at the deadline. Get your assets. We'll re-sign in the offseason. That could totally happen. I don't see that being out of question for either one of these players at this point because both Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane look really good to start this season in this Luke Richardson system. Who's to say this Blackhawks team can't accumulate four, five first-round draft picks in next year's draft? You want to talk about accelerating a rebuild? That's how you fucking do it. You accumulate picks in those top three rounds. Kyle Davidson can roll into next year's draft with 10 picks in the first three rounds. You want to rebuild a fucking hockey team? That's how you do it. And there's no question that this team playing well right now is going to maximize the value of these guys that they, they intend on flipping at the deadline, right? Let's be completely frank. Jack Johnson's not here after the deadline if anybody's willing to give you anything for him. Athanasio and Domi are the same way. You might make the argument, I know there's people out there saying that Lafferty is going to get dealt. No, he's not. He was the first move that KD made as, as interim GM. And then the first move he made once he became permanent was gave him that extension. He's not going anywhere. Kershev's not going anywhere. There's still going to be guys here. This team's going to lose their games. They're going to come late in the season when this team depletes their resources to build for the future. That's how you get into the Bedard sweepstakes. You want them to play well right now because, A, it sets two 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 things for the rebuild. One that takes you in a positive direction and one that takes you in a different positive direction, but more in the rebuilding sense, right? Guys that you plan on trading are going to increase their value. They're going to build up trade value better than what they would have if Max Domi rolled into the trade deadline with five goals because this team just sucked big old monkey balls. I, I was going to say, Ron, I gave, you, I gave you your two minutes. I've got a question for you. As you go on this. Sure. As a Blackhawks fan, what do you truly believe is the worst outcome for this team this season? What's the worst thing that can happen to the Blackhawks this year? The worst thing that can happen to the Blackhawks this year, and I and I'll I'll build this into kind of rounding out my point here for you, Tone is because best case scenario is right is the team plays well enough where these guys build value and you get teams to overpay for them and you look to the future and then you accumulate those losses on the back end to get into that kind of top you know five six seven picks of the draft sweepstakes this is a very deep draft i know people are very in love with connor bedard and in love with adam fantilli this is this draft has been talked about for two years now as being one of the deepest drafts that the nhl has seen in quite some time if that's the case potentially having three, four, five first-round picks in this year's draft is going to benefit this team. But at the same time, this team playing well, Tone, sets the hashtag, or um, excuse me, hashtags sets the tone for the future. Because now free agents, Hawks are going to have a fuck ton of cap space next season and beyond. Seth Jones is your only real real money commitment beyond 2023-24 that's above $4 million with the cap expected to continually increase over the next five years, according to projections, the Blackhawks are going to have money to play with. 
there's going to be guys that want to come play for Luke Richardson because he's clearly showing that right now that this is a fun team to play for. This was a team that was projected to be the worst team in the NHL, and they're surprising the hell out of everybody because they're playing their absolute balls off under an, an absolute Iron Man of a human being when he was as a player who's apparently the coolest dude in the world, according to a lot of these players. They're setting a culture. The worst-case scenario for this Hawks team this year is they lose a lot of games, but they start giving up. That's the worst-case scenario, Tone, because then you don't have that reputation around the league of, this is a place that you want to play coming forward because they have the, the foundation in place. You have that coach and system in place. You have talent coming. You have the resources to draft talent coming in draft picks. The worst case scenario for them is giving the illusion to the rest of the league that they're not building in the right direction. That, to me, is the worst case scenario. Not them making the playoffs by accident. Not them being a total dumpster fire and, and be, you know, if they still play hard and lose 45 games this year, 50 games this year, so be it. Because guess what? They set that tone. For the rest of the league, guys might look at this team and say, you know what, I could com- I, I can see myself committing four years to the Chicago Blackhawks to be a foundational piece for this team in free agency, knowing that they're building around me through the draft and through free agency because they have the cap dollars. And then on top of that, you put yourself in the conversation to get a generational player like an Adam Fantilli or a Connor Bedard or whomever. Now, all of a sudden, literally the worst case scenario for this team is just that they, they finished with a ninth overall pick and they, they, they seem like they were fake at the beginning of the year. They continue to play hard. Even if the loss has come, they trade guys at the deadline and flop them for hopefully higher value than most expected. The best case scenario for this team is you you get a lot of losses in the back end once you move a lot of players to the deadline. You accumulate those resources as one of the deepest drafts coming up. You've already got six picks in the first three rounds. Go add to that. Let Domi and Athena CU and all these guys have their value driven up. And then, Tone, we're sitting here next year coming into the season going, wow, this team landed a, a top five talent in the NHL draft. Oh, by the way, they also added four other first round picks that we'll see in the next couple of years. Oh, and they added two or three more second rounders and maybe two or three more third rounders. Guys that are going to make meaningful contrib- contributions. Maybe they go sign an impact free agent for the future. And then maybe they go sign just a couple more Domi, Athens, CU type guys who are going to be flipped at next year's deadline to continue building. Because Tone right now, a streak you say, we say a streak you say, but I think the biggest kind of, hmm, uh, I guess, takeaway from where they are right now. This has been the best Ron rant I've ever heard on Four Feathers. Keep going. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think for where they are right now, like really the, the best takeaway so far is that they are building the foundation. And just because this team surprises everyone right now, don't be surprised if in the next two years, Chicago becomes a destination people want to play in again. They have the the future-looking capital to do so and build through the draft. They have the cap space to entice free agents to come in and want to be a part of this thing. And it's wins like tonight where they were clearly not the better team on the ice, and you saw it a little bit there in the third period where they were kind of on their heels. But they found... They found that will to win. TWTW is going to be on my forehead by the end of the season. 
because that's what this team is doing. And Tony, when you hashtag set the tone like that against a really good Florida Panthers team, now all of a sudden the Hawks are putting people on notice again. And that's why I, I, asked I you, never. What's the, what's the worst case scenario for this? The team? worst. Say they hang around. Yeah. Say they hang around. I think at this point, it's worthy of the conversation to say when Luke Richardson said he wants to make Kyle Davidson's job as hard as he can possibly make it, he's doing it. He's doing it because we're having these discussions. These are feelings that are real. These are things that are happening. Keep winning hockey games. Mm-hmm. It's cool and tough. It is. And cool if you and don't, what's what's the worst that can happen? You wind up with a top draft pick in an insanely deep draft. There's no pressure. And sometimes when you have no pressure, you can play loose and you can make things happen. It's loose on the loose out there. On the ice, loose is on the loose out there. And tone, like you said, when when there when you have nothing to lose, you're gonna play your absolute hardest. And I think that's why this Hawks team right now is not only dangerous in the present, but also dangerous in the future. And I think that's where you're gonna be a lot of fun, Tony. Uh, quickly before we begin to kind of wrap things up here, um, one piece of news that we do need to talk about. In our uh, other co-host, Mr. Johnny Nani, wrote a beautiful article uh, detailing it over at ontapsportsnet.com. Highly encourage everyone to go check that out. And that is regarding Tyler Johnson and his injury. If you didn't see it tonight, uh, left the game, kind of hobbling, couldn't even get off the ice at one point, uh, only on one skate. And uh, I want to highlight uh, from Johnny's article, uh, verbatim actually, uh, a little piece here that he notes. Uh, Luke Richardson said of Johnson's status after the game, I'm reading it out of order because I want to add to the allure here, but he says, quote unquote, not good tonight. And that is very discouraging, Tony, because as I mentioned, with his assist in the first period on the Taylor Radish goal, Tyler Johnson, a point-per-game player so far this year, six points in six games for the Chicago Blackhawks. He's looked really comfortable next to Jonathan Taves and Radish. Uh, he's played a lot of meaningful time on the power play. He's been doing a lot of good shit. This is a guy, again, makes $5.5 million a year. The reason he does is because he was rewarded for what he was doing in Tampa yep. uh, with a very handsome contract. Just the dude cannot catch a freaking break. Lost almost all of last year with the with the back injury. Hopefully, we hear not good tonight. Hopefully, it's not an, a season-ending injury for Tyler Johnson because this guy had a hell of a start to the year so far, and I would hate to see him, uh, you know, be lost already and force the Hawks to really. You say weather the storm just on a singular game tonight, Tone, as we talk about this here, but really weather the storm over the course of a season because that's a guy who right now is providing a ton of offense that could be gone for a significant amount of time. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Tyler Johnson injury at this point. Yeah, uh, Ron, unfortunately, uh, teams are going to sustain their injuries, and I'm well conditioned to this from doing plenty of socks on taps over the course of the last (laughs) uh, couple of months here. But, uh, you know, I think that this is this would be a significant loss for this Blackhawks team, especially uh, given his role. We talked about roles a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a guy that knows his role. He accepts it, and he goes out and executes. And anytime you take somebody that's that good at their job uh, out of their role, you've got to find ways to uh, figure out how to fill that gap. And I don't think that the Blackhawks – 
uh, really have another Tyler Johnson replacement, Ron. Um, it's it's going to take shifting around, and there's a lot of chemistry factors, especially when it comes to hockey, that, that can come into play here. So this would be a fairly significant loss for the team. Uh, you say season ending, and I, I start to kind of shudder my expectations for everything else because we know this is not the best belt, uh, the best built bridge uh, to you know continue the same success that the Blackhawks have had. Uh, they were able to get through this one, but you saw the weathering of the storm kind of start when he left uh, the ice tonight, Ron. Yeah. So that's, it is rather concerning. I don't think that uh, it takes away from the, uh, the all time high vibes that Blackhawks fans should have for, for every other reason that we talked about, but this is a significant thing that if you are rooting for the Blackhawks to win every single game, uh, that you would be concerned about. I, I don't think that this is a minor thing. You're going to have some missed time here, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Blackhawks uh, respond to this and how they kind of shift their lines around, man. Uh, if he misses a, a significant amount of time, uh, who are you moving around, Ron, if, if, if you're Luke Richardson? Because I'm sort of concerned about it. Yeah, I, it's it's a fair thought process to have to put in place right now when considering who would replace Tyler Johnson because, again, a very skilled player that ha has very much found his role on this current Blackhawks team. Um, I don't think they are going to rush a Lucas Reichel to the NHL to replace him. I don't expect that. To yeah, exactly. Place. See, that's where I want it. That's where I want to maybe Maybe not right now. Yeah, and maybe not right now. I, I don't think it's completely out of the question that we don't see Reichel by maybe Christmas time or somewhere around there, or maybe even a little bit sooner, depending how the season goes. Santa's how his going to bring us Lucas Reichel? Is that what your early prediction is here? Hey, huh? he might even he might even be here by American Turkey Day. We don't know for sure, but. I, I think what will end up happening is you'll just have to find somebody that vibes with Jonathan Taves and, and Taylor Radish. And I think it's finding that guy that fits that role, you know, a guy who's willing to be skillful, but also go into the corners. And I think the beauty of this team tone, even though they're maybe not the most perfect roster on paper is most of the guys on this roster can fill that role. I really don't want them to break up that third line. And I hope they don't try to take a Lafferty um, or Kurashev. I'm worried about. I, I, I hope they don't do that. But that's um, why I said I don't think that many people fit that role the way that you want them to. Sure. And that might that might cause guys like Jonathan Taves and Taylor Reddish maybe have to do a little more. And 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 I think so far both of them have answered the bell. And I think that's at least a, a, a little, I know we're not big fans of silver linings, or at least uh, Mr. Jonathan Nani isn't, but um, I think that is a silver lining in this instance that we can take is, hey, that, that line in general has played well, and those guys individually have played well. I think they can put somebody else there, um, and and they can find chemistry with, with Taves and Radish if things do end up going south. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, Tone, um, before we look ahead, uh, I, I want to give you the microphone for a brief second here. Any quick and final thoughts uh, on this beautiful 4-2 win over the Florida Panthers? I don't really have much else to say here, Ron, besides the Hawks are back in my heart. It's been refreshing to see a team with a direction, no expectations, outperforming. 
it's 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 a pleasure to see a Chicago sports team outperforming expectations. That yes, in and of itself is a reason to watch the Blackhawks. I am just ecstatic. I'm happy. Our guy White Sox Sale had tweeted something out. It's great to see Tony on tap enjoying sports again. The Hawks provided that to me tonight. I'm feeling great. It was great to do a show with uh, the one and only Ron Luce, Southside Ron, uh, <laughs> my guy that runs the uh, the Cubs on tap, Cubbies on tap on Twitter. Uh, I'm I'm on the Sox on tap, and it's great that we get to meet in the middle here at Four Feathers Podcast, Ron. We've been doing this a long time. This is the best I've felt about the Hawks since we've started this. I think I said that earlier in the show. I can't wait to do more of these. Absolutely. It's it's been a hell of a ride so far this season. I definitely agree. I think the optimism uh, again, we are hashtag high on the Hawks here at Four Feathers Podcast because of how they've started the season. Often there's a clear sense of direction. There's a clear sense of purpose of where this team is going. And I think that's what's giving us uh, a lot of boost and uh, morale. And Jeremy Carlton was a cancer. I think we've establish that i think we have i think we absolutely have i think between uh the beautiful uh social media work of our friend mr jonathan nani uh in some of our discussion that we've already had here uh with this being episode six of the season already for us here at four feathers um yeah i think we've we've come to that notion that they they it feels like the there is no cancerous culture uh anymore in that locker room it feels like it's going in a positive direction one quick um cool and tough note because we like hits nowadays here at four feathers podcast especially with how this team's playing colin blackwell a game high six hits is cool and fucking tough but tone uh, a bit of a gauntlet coming up here to finish the month of october for the blackhawks they still remain at home uh, for the rest of the work week, uh, they'll be back in action on Thursday evening at the United Center against the Edmonton Oilers. That's a 7.30 um, p.m. Central Time puck drop. And then an off day on Friday uh, before a little venture north to New York, uh, but not against one of the metropolitan area teams, rather against the Buffalo Sabres. That'll be uh, the only road contest of the week for the Blackhawks because they will return home for one of those great six o'clock starts on Sunday evening against the Minnesota Wild to wrap up the month of October. Not that. Thank you. I, I, I do my best. Um, but to wrap up the month of October and sail us into the the holiday that is Halloween uh, before we open up the November schedule. So, Tony, I'm going to turn it back over to you, my friend. Thoughts on this upcoming three-game stint? We will see Arvid Soderbloom in one of those two games over the weekend, certainly worth noting. Um, Alex Stalock will take Thursday's game, so we'll keep that in mind. Uh, and he'll either get the game against the Wild on Sunday or the game on Saturday with Soderbloom taking the other one. My friend, Thoughts on the upcoming schedule here uh, as we discuss what's on tap uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks over the next three games. Just keep winning. Winning's fun. Winning's cool and tough. Uh, you know, I expect a, a great debut out of Solarbloom here. Uh, Ron, winning is contagious. I think in the same way that goaltenders handle the net, it's kind of like going to your next starting pitcher in a rotation. Mm. And so you've got to carry over that energy. I, I'm excited to see that. However, I do think that uh, the Hawks may wind up two and two over the four game set. That's what I called with Johnny on the last episode of uh four feathers pod here. Uh, we did not call this one 
So we've got a game in hand. Uh, just I, I actually hope we exceed expectations from from what I gave uh, mm-hmm. with Johnny on the last episode. I know you didn't give a, a or didn't give a a prediction over this four game set here, but uh, I've got a game in hand on mine, so I'm not going to go ruin anything. I'm not going to give any more predictions. I like it. Sticking with your gut and, and, and keep it rolling, Tone. I think that's a good move to make. And I agree. Uh, wins are cool and tough, and we certainly would like to see a lot of them. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres, certainly an interesting team, a lot of up-and-coming talent. Uh, still kind of, I think, from a national landscape, understanding where they're at. Um, but certainly being in their building gives them a little bit of an advantage. Really tough test on Thursday against the Edmonton Oilers. Very good, talented team. Kind of like this Florida team they played tonight. So interested to see how they play against them. Uh, and then obviously on Sunday, I will it's say a good this, old. Ron, I will say this. Mm-hmm. I asked Johnny this question, and we can't get out of here without me asking you this: Are the Blackhawks a trap team? For I think for I think very good season. NHL teams. I think this season they will be, and I think that's because a lot of people do not expect them to play with this pace and this hustle that they have played with so far. And especially when you come into the United Center, I think that's an immediate advantage for a team like the Hawks where they can deploy the matchups that they want against certain lines. I think that's why Thursday's matchup is so intriguing against the Oilers because Luke Richardson's going to be able to deploy the guys he wants against Connor McDavid and the guys he wants against Leon Dreisaitl. And I think that's going to make... I can't yeah. wait. If it's Sam and Jason and Philip with two people, with three P's technically, I can't wait to see what Johnny, what Johnny throws up on the Four Feathers Twitter account. Like uh, when you've got Sam Lafferty up against Connor McDavid somewhere, just in a nice little net battle. It's yeah, it's gonna be, be it's gonna be TWTW that will the win, uh, and that third line certainly provides that. It's going to be good. And then they they finish it off here for the month of October with that game against the Wild on Sunday. Um, we'll get to see old friend Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, and it's just a good old Central Division battle. I so think it'll be a good one. But, yeah, wins are cool and tough. Certainly want to see a lot of them as well, Tone, as you said. But, my friend, before we get out here, um, a quiet night in the comments. But we've seen some people tagging along here watching on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, you can comment along with us if you are watching on YouTube and Facebook. If you're watching along on Twitter, we cannot see your comments, unfortunately. So we highly encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube at OnTap Sportsnet or like us on Facebook and follow along and comment in the conversation there. Um, you can join us as we talk about all things Hawks here at Four Feathers Podcast. In addition, uh, be sure to tune in to us here at ONTAP Sportsnet uh, as the Four Feathers Podcast is the official Blackhawks podcast of the ONTAP Sportsnet. You can follow us www.ontapsportsnet.com and at ONTAP Sportsnet everywhere on social media. We do it all, not just Blackhawks, ladies and gentlemen, Bulls, Bears, uh, and even both sides of town, as Tony mentioned earlier, he's over at Sox on tap. I'm at Cubs on tap. Uh, that and everything in between, we take care of you over at ontapsportsnet.com, at ontapsportsnet. On social media, the ontap sports network, go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Tone, this was a fun one. Hawks win again, four straight a streak, you say. The title of tonight's episode, we're high on the Hawks. Hawks got another game in a little bit over little you know about 43 and a half hours or so cannot um, wait cannot wait as well tone what do you say we get out of here the only way now let's go hawks let's go hawks